HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Whole Foods Market creates win-win partnerships with our suppliers, and we love to tell their stories. Hot Bread Kitchen is a non-profit, multi-ethnic bakery and job training program out of Manhattan, whose range of international breads are as impressive as they are authentic. Learn more at hotbreadkitchen.org or visit one of our six Manhattan locations for a taste. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah. That cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. Today's show has been about a year in the making, I believe, somewhere right around there. Very pleased to have in the studio today, author Brad Thomas Parsons of the new book, actually just came out yesterday, uh, Bitters, A Spirited History of a Classic Cure-All. I am, like I said, it's been it's been a year in the making. Congratulations on finally this book. I mean, it actually came out pretty quick, uh, considering uh, you know, like most people spend a very long time on on you know their novels and stuff. But you know, bitter is like you got it, you got it all right here in this book. So it's really cool, and I'm I'm very happy to have a copy, and I can't wait to like spill a bunch of drinks on it. And uh, <laughs> that's what it's but, meant for. But thanks for coming on the show, Brad. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be great, here. Really great to have you. So I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, this this show we're going to talk a lot about bitters. But um, how did you? Like, let's go back to the beginning. How did you get into it? How did you get into the cocktails and the bitters and the whole shebang? Sure. Well, you know, I don't come at it. I don't. I didn't come at the book from a bartender's perspective, other than having four years during summer behind the stick at a beach bar called Harpoon Eddie's in upstate New York. But you know, I'm a, an enthusiast in the food world and cocktail world. Meaning, I go out to eat and drink a lot and, and experiment at home a lot. <laughs> I'm an enthusiast too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and for years, I, I was the cookbook editor at Amazon.com in Seattle. And so I was very into the food category, interviewed tons of people on it. And I had started seeing, as many others did, you know, these vials and bottles of potions at bars, uh, both, both, uh, homemade and commercial of bitters beyond Angostura the bottle. And it fascinated me, and I'm naturally curious, and I asked a lot of bartenders, I'd say, you know, what is this? How are you using it? 
And I ended up writing an article for a Seattle Metropolitan Magazine, and it was a short 450-word piece that I over-researched to death. I interviewed dozens of people, um, bought so many bitters, started making my own, and I just couldn't shake it. And I have a sort of completist spirit when I approach a project, and and that's what happened. And and then I um, talked to a friend who's a cocktail writer, and and he was like, oh, you should do a book on bitters. And, and then when I, I was thinking about it, getting ready to write a proposal— and I was thumbing through Imbibe, David Wondrich's great book, mm-hmm. and he has a section on bitters that's kind of small, and he has a note that says something like, if bitters were to get its due, it would deserve another volume like this book. And right. I was like, I felt like, okay, I've got permission. And I put a proposal together, and and a year and a half later, here we are. That's great. So, I mean, like, it, oh, pretty much the, the stars line, it, it, it just made sense to you, too. Yeah, I saw, you know, no coming from a cookbook editor's perspective, I saw that there was no book on it, in years, or any, there was no contemporary book on the subject, um, just out of print cocktail books referenced recipes. People were getting recipes online, and there was no book on the horizon, or no one had pre- had prepared or planned to do a book. So I saw it as an opportunity that I embraced. And once we put the flag down, you know, uh, we're going to do it. And then it, it, it happened, and you know, it, and for me, bitters, as I think you'll agree, isn't a fad in the cocktail industry. It's a, it's very popular. It's really hot right now, but it's an essential element of a drink of the original definition of the cocktail and it uh so it's not a fad like an infusion or something like that it's something that needs to be behind the bar and something you can do to step up your home game and 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 that's what really got me about it and the history of it and just the more and more bitters coming on market so i really it's a it's a great topic to geek out on and uh absolutely i, I did so and you and i have <laughs> quite quite a few times at the bar exactly exactly <laughs> i mean so Going back to a lot of these, uh, a lot of these questions that you were getting, a lot of these inquiries about like bitters and well, that you were also giving, you know, to to bartenders yes. and to other writers. I mean, can you give us like obviously it's in the book and you should buy the book <laughs> on it's uh, it's out on Ten Speed Press, but uh, just give us a, like kind of a brief history of like like why bitters are. They are in cocktails and why they're important. You know? Sure. Well, like as we touched upon, you know, um, in the golden age of cocktails, there was various categories for drinks like fizzes and daisies and flips. And a cocktail was one of those. And the original definition from 18, 1806 was uh, a liquor of sugar, water, spirits, and bitters. So there is bitters in the original definition of cocktail. And for years, um, that was the case. And from the 1800s up through Prohibition, uh, many people were making their own bitters behind the bar. There were many commercial bitters selling millions of bottles a year. It was a really profitable industry that inspired knockoffs and, and copycats, and, and it was unregulated by all means. And then and then bitters disappeared, uh, which we could talk about for for a couple of reasons. And for decades, there was only a couple of commercial bitters on the market. And then with the, the blowing up of um, cocktail geeks getting into craft cocktails, the internet giving people freedom to source out-of-print bar books and to reference these recipes. Like, this calls for orange bitters. What is orange bitters? They go to buy it. They can't Can't find find it it. anywhere. So that gets that DIY spirit too well. Maybe I better make my own. And so there was just this uh, synchronicity that happened where from 2004 to today, we've blown up from having one to two commercial orange bitters not so readily available, but out there, right there to having can, yeah. a dozen plus different flavors 
from craft, artisanal, and commercial makers out there. So in what it does for a drink, um, for me, and that was a big lore of the book too, was you know the bitters we're talking about are the cocktail bitters, aromatic bitters, not the potable bitters like Campari or your favorite, right. Vernet. And, uh, <laughs> and they are to be applied in just a few dashes or a few drops. But so much uh, magic happens when you do that to a drink. And you know, my, my go-to story is like Taste of Manhattan, side by side, rye sweet vermouth with Absolutely. bitters and without bitters and you will know something is missing in that other one it's going to be a cloyingly sweet drink it won't be well balanced and so bitters can often if something is wrong with a drink bitters can save it um it, it, it can tampen down a sweetness or play around with a sour bring disparate ingredients together but you never like with your with your uh you know the, a pear bitter like in your old-fashioned prime meats um you don't sip that and go "Ooh, i'm getting pear but the, the the notes of that, well, the depth of what's going on in there with that works so well with the rye, as opposed to if you put an orange bitters in there or something like that. And that's what I love. So it's so so putting it on your tongue versus smelling it versus putting it in soda water versus putting it in a cocktail. So much different things happen, and it's it's um you know it's often compared to being the salt of the bartender's uh, right you spice know cabinet. spice cabinet, <laughs> but it's more than that. You know, it's a whole liquid spice cabinet. You can take your drinks in many different directions. So. Not every drink needs bitters, but I think so many can benefit from it. So it's an essential. I disagree with you. Oh, every drink. <laughs> every drink bitters. does. Well, <laughs> you could probably convince me by the end of this program. <laughs> for that. I mean, going back to what you were saying about like the taste and the smell and mm-hmm. the way it makes. I think. I mean, I was at a uh, I was at a cognac tasting earlier today, so I apologize if, if I'm slurring. <laughs> but you know, the, so many times the aromatics, and you know, obviously. With like things like Angostura and Fees, you know, you've got their aromatic bitters, and the taste can be, the taste and the smell don't necessarily always match up, but they don't have to, and mm-hmm. that's really interesting because like the first thing you, the first sense you have with a cocktail is you get the the, the smell of it, yeah, stick, and then stick you your taste nose it in there, yeah, it be yeah, it's it's really just amazing what it does to to a cocktail. And I find too, like if you put a drop of a homemade bitters or commercial bitters on your tongue, you will get a taste of it, but that's not going to be what it tastes like once. It introduces. Yeah. So that's why I think as many people, you know, agree. Like when I was researching the book, you know, it's in San Francisco and Seattle and New York and Austin, different places. And I would say, hey, do you make your own bitters? And often it was something they'd pull out from under the bar behind a shelf. It wasn't yet on the menu. Someone's tinkering with it. And they would, I would say, oh, can I try it? And it was very interesting to see how people presented it to you. Someone would just like hand you the bottle. Someone would grab your hand and put some on the back like hot sauce. Someone would give you a glass of soda water with it. But, you know, I find... Um, you know, having a little taste on your tongue, just to, but you're mostly going to get the alcohol, the heat from it when you first do that. But then the biggest thing, put it between your hands, cup them, rub them together, bring them to your nose and give a big whiff. And then you sort of, okay, I'm getting clove, I'm getting allspice. What can that play well with in a drink? And I think now, you know, with so many bitters out there, great problem to have. But I think a lot of people, are, you're seeing some bitters out there where you're wondering, was that bitters made just because it's a novelty or is it something a drink warrants? So as opposed to like coming up with a cocktail first, like if I have a really floral drink, lavender bitters might make sense in that. But, you know, there's some strange ones out there that are just getting, we've used up all the citrus, we've used up all of this, let's go (laughs) vegetal or let's do this or that. And it doesn't always work. But I think, yeah, so I think the important thing is like the, the bitters works as an aromatic, whether 
um, you know, when it's in the drink, but also, as you know, applied on top of a drink, like a pisco sour or or whether it's sure. spritzed or dropped in there. And sometimes like a little one bitters is used when stirring and then a different one is used as a garnish of sorts, sure. an aromatic garnish. Sure. And, and sometimes you just uh, pop the dasher top off and put it in a shot glass <laughs> like Nick Jarrett and I always do. <laughs> yes. That was a Boston thing that kind of <laughs> made it wide. But yeah. Um, so, so with all these different we've got like you were just saying all these different uh very specified bitters like i remember you know like i guess five or six years ago mm-hmm. um i mean time's flying by so i can't really put it i mean i'm sure i dated it but i have in my uh in my refrigerator at home i have a bottle of my first experimental bitters and they okay. were mango curry bitters nice and the whole reason why i made a mango curry bitters is because i wanted to do a manhattan variation I, I had just seen uh, the Darjeeling Limited, and I wanted oh, to make nice. a cocktail called the Voltaire Number no. Six. Very so cool. I made a mango curry bitters, but it was like very specified for that one cocktail. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if I ever used it in another cocktail. What are some of the ones that you've seen that that are out there that are just like so like specific? Well, I think um, I'm not, you know. Uh, you probably Lewis Smeeby was making he his bitters are tough to find now. Um, uh, he's a Brooklyn bitters maker and. He went big with introducing many different, really specific esoteric flavors. And a lot of these smaller bitters makers have the problem with they get some press, they get successful, and they can't keep up production. They can't sure. sell them. And he had some of the most inventive flavors. And I've tried them all um, at various bars. Uh, but actually purchasing them can be a challenge. But he had like one on there that I've used as an example. And it's it's um, was his black and white cookie bitters, where it's sort <laughs> right. of like, what? okay, what is that? Why do we need that? But it's like, if you think about That's it, he's... so New York. <laughs> exactly. It's very New York, but he's playing with, you know, chocolate notes, vanilla notes. So when you, yeah. when you, when you break it down and, and it's sort of deconstruct it, okay, I get it. But, but, but in terms of how often would I be reaching for such a bitters, maybe not likely. And, yeah. and now I think too, um, I, you know, I respect them for doing it, but the, the guys from Brooklyn, hemispherical bitters have a sriracha bitters and... Mm-hmm. It's hot. You know, it's like you, you get a lot yeah. of spice from it. And that can be challenging with the bitters where it's just like, why not put a dash of Tabasco in or something like that? So I, I love that they're doing it. They're making their own version of Sriracha, putting it in there. Um, so those are two of the stranger ones. Um, and then ones that are really great, like I said, like Scrappy's in Seattle does a cardamom. And and that works with a lot I of I really different... like their bitters. Yeah, that like, works. They with... think they're, they're really well done, you know, like... Nice aromatics, but also the flavor is. They're awesome. very flavor forward. They're almost yeah. a tincture that there's a not a lot of complex a bit, bittering agents. A little bit of quinine in there, <laughs> exactly. A little bit in there, but so the strange. Those would be the two sort of strangest ones, and then just seeing many variations of bad homemade orange bitters, you know, present to me. But right. but commercially, I think you know the ones people are doing are making sense. There's one um, Miracle Mile bitters out of Los Angeles. This guy uh, who was a former. Miramax movie exec turned bitters maker and he has a yuzu bitters which is really nice and and, um, he's been using that like embracing bitters in food with he did a raw bar of oysters with that sort of a mignonette uh, putting yuzu bitters on it that's great that was genius I thought you know so um, so and he's got a a sour cherry I like the the cherry bitters can be tough to do Um, he also has a really nice sour cherry bitters but so you know, I think there. I think it's just a limit. Like people reach their limit of citrus, they run out of uh, grapefruit, oranges, lemons, limes, sure. and then they get a little. They might challenge themselves, but I think. It, oh, and also just one last one. Um, 
I forgot the exact name of it, but Bitters Old Men, Zach Feldman, did around Passover uh, a brisket bitters, which actually is fat-washed uh, spirit nice. in there, which is, that would definitely be a novelty one, you know, that uh, you're going to find, it's it's fun, but it's challenging to what yeah. to actually do with that. Well, don't you think also that, like, that, that the citrus bitters, like your orange bitters, your grapefruit bitters, those mm-hmm. are really, you know, and what what's cool about this book is that you've included so many uh, recipes of different bitters mm-hmm. and for the for the home yeah bar you know it's really it's really accessible you can make your own bitters at home you've got plenty of examples here but don't you think that like like before this book came out even like the uh, the home bartender was or anyone really that was making bitters on their own they start they would start with like an orange bitters because that's Essentially, it's it's one of the easier ones to do. It's the it easier is. ones to pull off because you have like kind of a a, a template mm-hmm. that's almost fail proof. But people, you know, everyone throws their twist in there. Exactly. But uh, they throw the twist in there. Get it? <laughs> well done. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I think I think you know, um, you know, as Gary Regan, uh, famed cocktail writer, uh, he uh, and creator of Regan's Orange Bitters Number no. Six, put the the recipe before that Gary Regan's bitters orange number five in one of his books. And that kicked off a lot of people experimenting. So it was sort of uh, like when, I guess when people put their code out there to like play, you know, make an app with this code sort of thing. And that was a thing. So that was how you started. And then you did different things. And like you said, like I love like when it hits December, January, you have blood oranges, you have satsumas, you have different things. Mm -hmm. So mix them up, blend things. And like when I make orange bitters, like my, I guess, signature would be like mixing some fresh peel with some dried, you know, I like kind of that complexity in that. And, and, and so, and that's why, you know, even in New York, uh, a really popular thing is the, the orange bitters using a, a fitty fitty where it's uh, yeah, half yeah. Gary Regan's and half Fee Brothers. So you get a good balance of the, the free, fresh orange and the aromatic kind of Christmas spice orange. Absolutely. And that's and, uh, fun even in itself, blending uh, blending bitters. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know uh, Death & Company, their their house Peychaud's is is a mix of Peychaud's and yeah, yeah. Bitter Truth Creole bitters, yeah, you know. And, sure. and, and at Fatty Q, they do like an autumn bitters that's Fee's Cranberry with Angostura. Speaking of uh, speaking of Regans and Pay Shows, when we get back from this break that we're going to take right now, um, let's talk about a little bit more about the uh, the commercial producers mm-hmm. coming out of the uh, the drought, as it were. Okay. All right. When we get back, we'll be talking more about bitters with Brad Par- Parsons. T- Brad Parsons. <laughs> All right. After the break. Bye. Opinions and they're coming to the chorus now. I keep my address to yourself. We need secrets. We need secrets. Back right now. Because I never want to make you feel that you're social. Down. 
And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we've been talking bitters with Brad Thomas Parsons. The new book on Tin Speed Press, uh, it's available now. It just came out yesterday. Yeah, it dropped yesterday. I'm lucky enough to have had a copy mailed to me from you about a week ago. So yeah, I've, there were some select advanced copies floating around. <laughs> and I did a couple of, uh, I did one pre-pub event down in Oxford, Mississippi last weekend for the Southern Foodway Symposium. So I signed my very first copy there that day to a, a bar manager out of a great place in Atlanta who bought two copies. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so it was fun to sign my first book. But. So, okay, in, in preparation for the uh, the release, you, obviously you were down there. I've, what else have you been doing? I mean, you you I know you were recently featured in uh, Food and Wine. Yeah, that was a that was a really that happened in the October issue, which just dropped off stands, um, and. The I worked with an editor there who does a column called The Gastronaut where he takes on an ambitious home project. And he wanted to do something on bitters and, and got in touch with me. And we thought it would be fun to do bitters that weren't in the book. So I uh, came up with three bitters, uh, cranberry anise bitters, uh, woodland bitters, and a, orange, a figgy orange bitters. And then we did a, I uh, introduced a cocktail and then how to employ them in a food dish. So that was sort of our great first media hit. But, but yeah, the once that – it's just funny to have a book. It's Publishing is very slow. Like to bring a book from – I turned it in last January, and then it's been in edits and production, and then – here it is. You know, I went to bed the other night. It's like, okay, it's out tomorrow. But um, so there's a lot now. The pre-publication is the publicity, uh, which we've been getting some really great publicity, um, uh, is, is happening now. And some good things are in store coming up. And uh, I'll be going around doing some some events in New York and on the West Coast. And uh, just but, – but, but before the book came out, I did one event in New York. Uh, Kara Newman does a great series – uh, down at Lolita Bar called Drink Dot Think, where she has uh, drink writers in to read from works in progress or new works, and I was one of ten different people there, and so it's fun actually reading it in a a, bo- a noisy bar. And then I've, I'm a member of the Southern Foodways Alliance. I'm not Southern, but a would be Southerner, and I've been going about four years now. And um, so this year, my book was so close to publication, I made sure that on they have a Friday night cocktail party where anyone there with a book they have a all out the table, and I was thrilled to be uh, next to Mr. David Wondrich, my fellow Brooklynite, and yeah. uh, who made a killer artillery punch that weekend. But um, so yeah, so so I got to sign some books there, and uh, and then we had a great launch party last night. And but the first official event will kick in next week and keep me busy through December. Nice, very nice. Um, hey, well, you just mentioned your woodland bitters, uh, and I know you. Brought some with you, right? No, I brought the figgy figgy orange. Oh, the figgy orange. Yeah, sweet. So the um, woodland was kind of a a take on like a forest floor flavor, some nuts uh, and a very woody flavor, like a harvest bitters. And then the figgy orange one was sort of, again, take that orange bitters template and what can I play with? It a little yeah, bit. So yeah. figs are sweet, but plays with the bitterness well, but also just it felt like a, I was trying to come up with some autumnal bitters and, and that was the idea there. So you get a little sweetness of that. Um, so it tastes like an orange bitters, um, but you also get the sweetness of the fig in there cool I, I, in, what are you what have you been using uh the figure orange bitters with i mean you've got some cocktails that you've been using it for right? yes in the book um i believe it was uh you may have to remind me what that was i think there was one the woodland bitters was sort of a manhattan variation oh i think that was the one i used with um 
uh, snap the liqueur. Oh, the, snap, uh, the, the ginger. ginger. Snap. Yeah. yeah. So well, it was it was like an old fashioned take with that. But I love it, and I think in a Manhattan or an old fashioned, without a doubt. And when I was at Southern Foodways, it was really sweet. The guy, the first guy I signed a book for, uh, pulled out of his coat pocket a little glass vial of the figgy orange he had made himself and like wanted me to taste it and oh, he was that's it, really cool and it was great though because it was like again like putting that coat out there he's like i thought this figs were sweet enough that i, I kind of cut down on on adding the sweetener at the end and it was cool to and see that's that. cool and that's exactly yeah. what this book like that section of the book with the recipes is intended for. that's what I, exactly i want people to sort of say you know and you know that, that's happened to me with the husk cherry bitters which is mm-hmm. which are on the market now a strange little uh tomatillo like uh pineapple honey tomatoey fruit that i hadn't really experienced living on the west coast in seattle and then i was here at the green market and i'm like what are these so i took them home and the first thing i did was made a syrup out of them and played around with it with tequila and then i said let's try it as a bitters and it was just interesting so i think you know go to your chinatowns go to your farmer's market and just if you see something like a prickly pear or a a, a Concord grape. See what you can do. With, or absolutely, you know that's absolutely. that's how I want to approach it. Not like a hardcore locavore, but just a seasonality to it. So, and I had a year to write the book, and it was great that I had all four seasons. So, you know, I could do my autumnal produce, citrus in winter, rhubarb in spring, and uh, you know, in summer, like some some of those other uh, fruit uh, produce that's out there. Absolutely, and it, yeah, yeah, I, you know. And but I I think it is I think it is really cool I mean like you just said not to be like a, a locavore do you think <laughs> but but no like it's it's really interesting to to go to say like to Austin Texas and see what they're doing down there you know like exactly lots of chili peppers and lots of cocktails which is <laughs> you know for us Northerners you know uh, of course I'm from down there but uh, when you when you aren't used to eating that much spicy food you go down there and you have some cocktail made with like red pepper cola and it's like what uh-huh. that's amazing i have to try that but it's like yeah of course you want to do locally like sourced well, ingredients the, yeah to food. take it to the extreme there's a chef you may be familiar with sean brock out of charleston who uh his restaurant husk was just voted by bon app the best restaurant in america and he serves no ingredients north of the mason dixon line and I was talking to him down at Southern Foodways, and he's nuts about bitters. And what he does is he's like Tennessee cocoa nibs. Then he sends them to Alan Benton's smokehouse oh, and yeah. makes a smoked cocoa bitters using that kind of thing. That's and awesome. and then and John Currents, another chef who has a great bar called Snack Bar, he had a bacon bitters. When in the South, you know, there's a bacon bitters. And it sounds, yeah. oh, cutesy, novelty. But he put it in a old-school, muddled, old-fashioned, and that sweet and smokiness really played well together. And, and you know... I, pounded like three of those you know, yeah, in the half hour is so delicious <laughs> but but you know so i think that's the thing yeah like see what they're what they're making locally sure sure so speaking of locally i yes. want to touch back on this book um where are you going to be i mean obviously you've got a lot coming up um where are you going to be promoting this book around here so uh, so our brooklyn and new york city residents can yeah. uh, go check you out well, we've got some great brooklyn stuff lined up the first public event is next Thursday uh, at Greenlight Bookstore, my local. I live in uh, Clinton Hill, so it's my one a few blocks over in Fort Greene, and we're doing a a fun little kind of progressive event where Zach Feldman, the proprietor of Bitters Old Men, will be at what they call the Annex, which is their coffee house selling blue bottle coffee next door. He'll be doing bitters and soda 
from I think five thirty to six five thirty to six thirty, and then at seven we move or seven thirty we move over to the bookstore where he and I will have a conversation. I'll talk about bitters, pass out samples of bitters for people to try and taste, and then we're going to move over to Green Grape Spirits across the street and have some champagne cocktails and, and sample some other classic bitters drink so, so you're going on a bitters crawl <laughs> exactly it's a bitters <laughs> crawl and, and then the next yeah then the next morning i'm off to the west coast for a little bit portland and seattle and san francisco but then in december i have an event in at whisk in williamsburg which is a great oh i uh, love that place yeah so i'm going to team up with uh barman souther teague and uh he's going to make some great drinks i and love the, that guy too yeah and the guys from brooklyn hemispherical bitters will be in the house and uh talking bitters and then i'm going to do a how to make your own bitters class at the brooklyn kitchen in uh, December, and I think it's December fourteenth, um, where we'll like I'll walk people through three different bitters recipes, and we'll sp- I think it's limited to fifteen folks, and we'll split up into groups of five, and and uh, yes, and then and then there'll definitely be some more, but those are the three confirmed Brooklyn events going on. Um, so we love ha- love to see people there. Excellent. I'm very excited for this book coming out. I gotta oh, tell thanks. you, no, and not just because you put one of my recipes there. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to. Uh, See it under a bunch of Christmas trees this season. <laughs> it's the perfect gift for the dot dot dot. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, and that's the cool thing about it is that it is not necessarily geared just towards the the cocktail nerd. Yes, I mean it's it's for everyone. It's for bartenders. It's for DIY DIY yeah. civilians. You know, whatever you want to call. It. But uh, it's it's just a really cool reference, and it's it's about damn time somebody put a <laughs> book out like this, and I, it came out. Just better than I'm sure that any of us could have ever expected oh, a book thanks, like this David. to come out. Like, um, yeah, and I, I'm glad I got one of the first copies. And you sure you're going to have to sign it right now. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that, uh, we're going to go ahead and have one of my favorite bitters. Uh, but we're going to do it my style. We're going to do it uh, a bottle of Wunderberg, but you got to put a straw in it. There it is. All right. Okay. Brad Thomas Parsons, thank you for coming on the show today. It's been my pleasure, and uh, tune in next week where we'll have Mario Sabaro, and we'll, I'm sure we'll be referencing this book for quite some time. Nice. Stay Thanks, better. Brad. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. That cat is high. Look at that look in his eye. Man, I wouldn't lie. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. following is a public service announcement from Food Karma. To kick off the New York City Meat Week in style, Meat with a Twist will bring together the best chefs and mixologists for a cocktail food pairing party on November 7th from 6 to 10 p.m. at City Winery. Meat with a Twist features 10 cocktails paired with 10 chef selections highlighting local, sustainably grown meat such as duck, lamb, chicken, pork, beef, bison, and ostrich. The party will launch a week's worth of events throughout the city that celebrate the slow food movement bringing sustainable meats to our tables. Again, that's November 7th from 6 to 10 p.m. at City Winery. Updates, tickets, and more information are available at meatweeknyc.com.